With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hawkeye Nation podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs and Rob Howe back with you once again on a Monday. Rob, what's up, man? Nothing much, man. I was doing something, uh, signing some type of permission slip for my daughter this morning. And I was like, I had to date it. And I was like, February 10th. How the heck did we get here already? It feels like it was just (laughs) New Year's. And uh, yeah, I know we'll talk about it. But coming down the home stretch here for the Iowa basketball programs and wrestling, it's going to be a fun time. Yeah, it felt like two weeks ago you and I were talking about, you know, uh, 13 (laughs) games left on, you know, maybe three weeks ago even. 13 games left in the Big Ten. You know, there's still a lot of season left. Now we sit here, seven games left for this Iowa basketball team in the regular season before the uh, the Big Ten tournament, obviously the NCAA. So uh, it's, it's flying by quickly and I feel like these next few weeks are going to continue that trend uh, before we talk about Iowa hoops uh, I guess the the on the court stuff the, some news came out this morning as Cordell Pemsel was arrested uh, over the weekend in Iowa City arrested for driving without a license essentially his license was suspended with that OWI back in September uh, and then he was pulled over for a, a faulty taillight I guess uh, the other night uh, or I guess early this morning um Expecting a suspension here. I don't know how long of a suspension, and I guess we should talk about you know what what do you expect as far as the suspension, and then how big an impact is this you know for I was only playing about eight guys right now. Now you, you shorten that to seven. You know, Pemsel isn't giving you a ton of production, but he's giving you a decent amount of minutes and some toughness out there. Uh, I guess first, what do you expect for a suspension, and uh, and how does this impact the team going forward? Yeah, I would say a minimum of one game, Andrew. Uh, I will guess two. Yeah, I would guess, guess he'll be out for this also. week and and miss two, you know, important road games. And yeah, I mean, we can, you know, we could quibble on his contributions this year and and what they are, and if it's if it's that big of a loss. But like you said, they're they're down to an eight man rotation. You know, whatever it is, seven or eight scholarship players. Um, and losing a guy who's been in the program for four years and knows the offense and could come in and give you know mm-hmm. spell Garza, you know give you a few minutes off the bench and not hurt you is is and once in a while, I, I think it was I'm trying to remember I think it may have been the Illinois game where Garza went 15 minutes without scoring, Pemsel comes in finds a way to feed him in the post and kind of got Luca going. Mm-hmm. That's just one example. I mean he he does there are positive contributions from him. No, it's not 
I, I don't think it's going to, you know, change the the course of this season dramatically, but you know, it's a loss. And with a, you know, with the amount of players they have right now, it hurts. And I'm disappointed in Cordell, to be honest with you. And I know he's probably disappointed in himself. You know, he's 22 years old. He's out at one o'clock in the morning. He has, has a tail light out on it and driving after losing your license. He pled guilty to the OWI. So it's not like he was charged. He pled guilty to an OWI, which revoked his license and then he went and drove anyway as a 22 year old fourth year player on this team it's a bad example for his team he let his teammates down his coaches down the program down the fans down and i know he feels bad but i remember you know several months ago first time we got to talk to him after you know he he came back from suspension the first time and he was very remorseful, said he learned his lesson and, and you know, is moving forward. And then this this just is another bad decision. And I'm, you know, he's a, still a young guy and, and hopefully he learns from this lesson. But I, I think it's really just disappointing, especially with how good this season's going, yeah. Andrew. And, and he's, he's part of this and he's along for the ride. To put that in jeopardy is just... It's a head scratcher. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, we've talked a lot about how an injury could make this whole thing kind of fold, especially an injury to, you know, a guy like Garza or Wieskamp or something like that. The the rotation I was playing with right now is kind of fragile. And, yeah, while this isn't one of the main guys, it's not a starter. I mean, he had eight rebounds at, at Maryland, you know, what, a, a week and a half ago. We had four rebounds the other night against Nebraska. He He's not giving you a ton of production. I think it's, you know, two and a half points a game, almost three rebounds a game. But but it's 12 minutes a game. And I think the, the intangible stuff the things that you're talking about Rob about how well he knows this offense uh, the toughness he comes in and plays with his rebounding ability is a, is a thing being able to spell some of the big guys uh, for a few minutes at a time it, it, it is disappointing it's difficult to and, and then especially in a week like this where you have two road games against teams that you can beat but the road has been a tough tough place in the Big Ten not just for Iowa but for the entire league this year uh, two games that that are really big for Iowa and we'll get into this more but you think if I was going to get to these these I think the bar probably is set for for high end expectation as as top four in the Big Ten and get that double buy at the tournament, and these are two big games for this uh, for, for for that goal and to, to again I'm I'm working under the assumption I'm guessing two games as well for for Cordell and that'll be the rest of this week. These are two games where you you could have used him and uh, it'll be interesting to see what Iowa does again we don't know whether or not he'll be suspended or if he is for how long I'm sure we'll find that out relatively soon uh, early this week but uh, assuming he's gone for these games you talk about a rotation that goes down to to seven players or, or does Riley Till come in and play either way it's not it's it's not a fourth year guy who's been in this program as you said for for this long and, and knows it this well it's I think disappointing is, is probably the right word for this yeah, I agree. And you talked about his performance at Maryland where he had the eight rebounds. That was a function of Garza and Kreener, partially a function of Garza and Kreener being in foul trouble. Yeah. And now you're going out on the road, as you said, and there's there's just you know more of a tendency to call fouls on the road team. And there's a chance that they could, they could really use his minutes if, if Luca and or, uh, you know, Creener getting foul trouble again. You don't have that option yet. And I know I've had some people on the Hawkeye Nation message board saying it's not going to be that big of a loss and just put Till in there. He's playing ahead of Till for a reason. He's showing right. more in practice than Riley Till is. So you're going farther into your bench. And that's not to say Riley Till can't step up 
and and maybe he's better in those minutes. But you're you're taking another piece of the puzzle away when you've already lost a bunch of pieces of the puzzle yes. this season in Nunji and uh, Bohannon and Patrick McCaffrey. They're er- you're already down, you know, and you're already up against it, and you're already you know far enough into the season where ev- all of those minutes are important. Because you're playing two games a week, every week in a really tough conference. So I would be I would be shocked, Andrew, if he's not suspended at least one game. And I, I'm and not a lot shocks me these days anymore in <laughs> athletics. But um, I, I know how Fran operates, and I would be really surprised if we see Cordell this week. Yeah, and as you said, if, if you're being very optimistic, of course, uh, things could turn out just fine. Maybe Riley Till takes this opportunity to, to really make a step up, but uh, that, that's, that's a very optimistic view of this. Well, it'll be interesting to see these next couple of games, uh, or depending on how long Cordell is out, and interesting to hear from, from Coach McCaffrey. I, I'm assuming he's going to be very disappointed in this as well. Well, something that there's not a lot of optimism to take out of, we do have to go back and talk about that ugly loss at Purdue, 104-68 to last week. Things started bad and then got worse. Now, I didn't think this team had a, a 35-point loss in them. Uh, I, I was wrong about that. Um, I guess... Uh, and, and again, we'll we'll go we'll we'll move on to the the Nebraska game here relatively quickly. But do you chalk that up to fatigue? Do you talk, chalk that up to Purdue was was incredibly hot that night? Uh, Mackey Arena is a tough place to play. Uh, or are, are there some bigger questions about this team on the road? And as we look forward to these last seven games, four of the seven on the road, two against very good teams in Michigan State and Illinois. Um, what? How, how do you, how did you come away last Wednesday night, Rob, from from that? Just beat down at Purdue. Yeah, that's that one was, and, and I think all of those items that you listed are were you know factored into what happened there. And it, you know, as Greg Bruner said, crap happens. He used the S word, <laughs> yeah. but we'll keep this a family podcast. Um, when we when he and I potted on uh, on Thursday, I think it was, we, and we reviewed that game. Um, you know, and it was. A situation where you could kind of tell from the get-go, Andrew, that Purdue had a little pep, you know, a little bit more of a pep in its step, a little more energy, and Iowa was flat. And before you knew it, the crowd got into it. And that is, a if you've never been to Mackey Arena, it is one of the more uh, difficult road environments to perform in. Um, and they got, once the crowd got into it and the the Purdue and, and let's be honest here. Purdue went on the road and won in Indiana. The, you know, two days later, whatever yeah. it was, three days later. So it's not like Purdue's a bad team, but it, I think it was a function of Iowa having an off night and being sluggish, and Purdue seeing a number seventeen ranked team coming into its building, really needing a win to you know to put its res- NCAA tournament resume together. And they, you know, the Boilers were ready, and Iowa was not ready to play, and that's what happens in this league if you're not ready to play. Yeah, it snowballed quickly too. You know, it was it felt like the start felt like that DePaul game, uh, which was obviously at home and early in the season. But I was able to in the second half kind of keep that game, and I don't know about close, but not let the lead extend even further. And and Purdue just uh, they just kept hitting shots. I was just kept missing. Uh, that that was an ugly, ugly game. So unless there's you, some, no, was, yeah. there, was there anything that concerned you? Uh, you brought it up, so I'm wondering if, in your mind, if there was anything from that game that you were. And, and I will say, 
that's the when they play defense like that, it scares the heck out of yes. me because we've been burned so many times the last couple of years. Not I wouldn't say burned, but traumatized maybe from watching them play defense that poorly. They can't play. And, and talking to C.J. Frederick after the Nebraska game, he pretty much told me he goes, "We were embarrassed. That was just not us." But I don't know. I've never been. I've never played at that level, so I don't know if there are just nights like that. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on yeah, that? It, it certainly seems like there are just nights like that, right? Like what Greg Bruner said, and and I think uh, had I would not bounce back and had the game they did Saturday evening against Nebraska, I'd be a little more worried about it. As we sit here today, I'm not overly concerned. I will say. I think they need to pick off a couple of these road games if they want to get to that top four in the Big Ten by the end of the season. And, the, you know, the, these these opportunities are slipping through their fingers. I don't know. I, I guess I will know a lot more how I feel about this team on the road this week. It's kind of a cop-out. Um <laughs> Had Iowa not come back and, and really put it on Nebraska Saturday night, and it's a bad Nebraska team, we'll talk about that game. Um, I, I think the way they bounced back, and as you said, uh, some of the comments after that game, which I want to I want to talk to you about, um, it, it tells me this team was embarrassed by that. They they didn't just chalk that up to to a bad night, and they take some pride in in how they play and and how they're seen by the fans and and how they think about themselves, and so I think that. That's good. Um, Thursday night's a big game. We'll see. We'll see when when they travel to Indiana. You can't let you can't let things start like that. And and this has this is a team that hasn't really had that issue a lot this year. Uh, kind of letting things get out of hand early. Uh, just not able to answer at any point against Purdue. I guess that was the it worrisome kinda, thing. It kind of plants that seed in the back of your head, it too, does. Andrew, as, as a viewer of the team going th- that they are capable of having a night like that is somewhat scary. You know, that, that's a really good point. Absolutely. Maybe that is the biggest thing. Is I, As I said, <laughs> I didn't think they had a, a loss like that in them. This team, is all we've talked about is how tough they are, how resilient they are. You know, how when they're down 10 with seven minutes left, you still think they have a chance to win. And I, I thought at halftime of that Purdue, game all right they're probably not going to win this but you you fight in the second half you start hitting some shots you play a little better defense you get this thing to a respectable number you lose by 12 on the road it's it's not the end of the world but to then just have it like the have it balloon game. yeah exactly exactly and then to have it balloon that was concerning um and again, we'll learn a lot more about this team on the road this week with with a couple of road games but they did follow up that loss with a win in and really, a must-win game. I mean, uh, a ninety-six to seventy-two win over Nebraska. It wasn't that close. It, it, the score could have been worse. I think I will put in essentially the, their second team with like eight minutes left in the second half. Uh, played good from the start. They they had that lull. What I think eight minutes without scoring in the first half. That's again a little concerning because Iowa fans have kind of gotten used to. Other you know, past teams having things like that happen, having these field goal droughts, the flashbacks. These, yeah, exactly. That's you know, we feel exactly. There's a little like, and not to make light of you know, real PTSD, but you know, there's a little bit of of yeah, the flashbacks as an Iowa fan, especially with these Fran teams in February who who've had a good first half of the Big Ten season, and you're riding high, you feel good, you're starting to look at big, you know, NCAA tournament seeding, and you start to lose inexplicable games. That that lull in the first half. Luckily, Iowa had built up enough of a lead that Nebraska was really never able to threaten, even with a, an eight-minute scoring drought for Iowa. Um, 
you know, they had that chance to close that gap. Nebraska did. They, they just couldn't. And a big part of that was Joe Wieskamp, who had a, a career night, 30 points, seven rebounds, three assists, two steals, a block. Uh, just a great game from from Joe and, and, and for the Hawkeyes. I think that was – it was a needed win to, to get back home, you know, beat a team by 30, you know, dominate a team that you should dominate. It, even in league play, That that's an impressive win. Yeah, and they had, you know – the kind of what we talked about earlier with Purdue having, you know, certain motivational factors when Iowa came in. Iowa had was coming off the loss to Purdue and was getting revenge against Nebraska, and it looked motivated right out of the gates. Yes. And, you know, Greg Bruner said on Thursday that the thing that he was looking for was how they would come out, you know, how they would start the game. And I, I think he – I haven't talked to him since – uh, then, but I'm sure he was pleased with what he saw at the beginning of that game. And the eight, the eight minute scoring drought was just weird. I, I, the, part of it is, and, and I know f- people are getting, and we can touch on this because I think it's a talking point for, you know, Hawkeye fans. The lineups that are out there when mm. you you don't have any scores really, or, or maybe just one score. And I think during that eight minute drought, that was part of the reason that the lineup that was on the floor didn't have the scorers or uh, multiple scorers that you have when you have Garza, Wieskamp, Frederick in there. And that that's really when they struggle. But I think you look at it and you, you have an, <laughs> an eight-minute scoring drought and still lead by 11 at halftime. <laughs> it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And, and the three that Frederick hit before the buzzer at the end of the first half was just enormous. I think that sent them into the locker room with a ton of momentum, and then they came out, and Wieskamp got the dunk. Then he got fouled on a three-pointer. Then he hit another shot, and he really put the team on his back, and that's what Frederick told me after the game. He's like, you know, when, when Wheezy gets going like that um, – you know, it's 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 so nice because then and even Luca had a big smile on his face after the game. He's like, "Hey, if he wants to carry the load on a given night, I'm fine with it." And what Luca still ended up with twenty something and eight, I think. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's Iowa. You know, when it's going well, we we saw the we saw the tail of two teams last week, and and uh, I think what you're looking for here as we as and we'll talk more about this going forward. You're looking for a little bit more consistency through these last seven games because you're going to need that with four games on the road. That's right. Yeah. So Gar- Garza with 22 and eight. Um, yeah. Before we look at, at, ahead at these final seven games, uh, you, you talk a little bit about what the player said after the game. Was there a lot of talk about that Purdue game in the post game and, and kind of bouncing back from that? And and was there any talk about now? You know, you're you're on the road the next two games and you can't let something like that happen again. I think so. There was some of that talk, and but I think more importantly, and you touched on this, Andrew, saying you know just from a mental approach, a mental toughness. I, th- I think we've seen that with this team. They they know what's at stake. It, you know, they, these guys know what they have to do, and, and they know what happened at Purdue was not acceptable. They didn't accept it, and they came back. And what Frederick. He's a great quote, by the way, as you can tell from me um, referring to him multiple times in this podcast. He basically said, we wanted to do what we wanted to do to Nebraska, what Purdue did to us. Hmm. And they did. 
and so you so they they were they had a really they, they all to a, to a to a man they said they had really a really good couple days of practice after that Purdue game and that to me is almost as important as you know coming out and doing what it you know they did to to Nebraska that they instead of hanging their heads they came back to work and improved and got better and then they put that performance together on Saturday night I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Well, as you said, looking ahead to the, the final seven now regular season games, four of those are on the road, three at home up next Thursday at Indiana, the Hoosiers are on a four-game losing streak right now, including home losses to Purdue and to Maryland. They beat Michigan State at home back in January, so it's still a tough place to play. Uh, surprised they didn't pull out a win for for Bobby Knight in the house over the weekend. But uh, th- this, I think, is a is a big game for Iowa to get back on the road and. Obviously, you want to win in this case, but certainly need to compete better than you did at Purdue, get off to a better start than you did at Purdue. Uh, and, and really, as we look ahead to kind of the, the rest of the season and as we said, the goals that Iowa has and, and the goals that we as fans have for this team, you're going to have to win a couple of these road games if you want to get into that top four, I think. And, and this one Thursday at Indiana feels like one that they can get. Yeah, I think if you're if you're ranking these games, Andrew, the four on the road, I think these two this week are the ones that are most winnable. Yeah, because the other two are, are at Michigan State and granted Penn State won at Michigan State. Michigan State's they're they're limping along right now. But, you know, when Iowa goes there, they're going to play out of their minds. They usually do. And that's been a house of horror for the Hawkeyes. And then they finish up the last game of the year at Illinois. And we already know what that's going to be like mm-hmm. after watching the end of the, the game here last week or whenever that was. So these two, you got to get at least one this week. And if you can get two, all the better. Uh, in terms of Indiana, I'm, I'm weird like this, and, and maybe it's superstition or just, you know, I like the stars to align, right, Andrew? And I don't know how you feel about this, but I almost wish they would have beat Purdue on Saturday rather mm. than coming off a loss with Iowa coming in and Iowa probably being a ranked team. Yeah, that's a really good point. You're right. You, you think that you know maybe they could have gotten all that frustration out on Saturday with again with Bobby Knight in the house, a, a big win over Purdue would would have been nice, and then you know maybe they're maybe they're you know resting on their laurels a little bit when Iowa comes to town. You're right. Now they're going to be geared up for this. A four-game losing streak. They need to get a win at home. You have a ranked kind of like, team. It, it, it kind of, sorry to interrupt, it kind of shapes up like Purdue last week. Yeah, absolutely. Which does not bode well for Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But then on the other side, you know, on the other hand, you hope that Iowa learned its lesson yes. and is ready. And and well, I was a better team, team than that's going to be ready for them. That's right. I was a better team than these two teams are going to play this week. They they beat Minnesota by twenty in Carver. Now that was back in December. That was a long time ago, two months ago almost. Uh, but there, I was at Minnesota. Then on Sunday, uh, you know, and, and Minnesota now doesn't play this week in, until that game on Sunday. So they'll be rested and ready for Iowa. Iowa will be. Uh, you know, coming off what would probably be a tough game Thursday night at Indiana, uh, Minnesota. Looking at their kind of home schedule, they they beat Wisconsin, Penn.
Penn State and Michigan recently at home. They did lose to Michigan State, so they're a good home team. Again, every every team in this league has has for the most part been able to hold serve at home, and so I think as you said. I would needs. I think I would needs to win one of these two games. Both of them would be nice, and I think both of them are winnable. It'd be interesting to see what Vegas thinks as far as uh, if they're favored in either of these games, or maybe even in both. But to stay in that top four discussion, to stay in this, um, just a game back of, of first place in the Big Ten. I'm not counting on this team to win the league, but I think that top four is kind of where my goal is right now. And if you're going to get there, I think you need you need one of these, preferably both. Yeah, because it's not a guarantee that you're going to win all these home games. No. It's not. I mean, Penn State's a good team. We saw Penn State go into Michigan State and win, and Penn State's already beaten Iowa. So, and it's playing for a lot as well. So, I really think you know. And and to your point that it's a Thursday Sunday and Minnesota has the week off. Mm-hmm. Not only that, Andrew, but it's a night game at Indiana on Thursday night. And then they come around, come back and play at noon on the road again Sunday. Wow. So it's really even more condensed. And then, as we, you know, as we started the podcast, you're down a man. So really big challenge. You almost feel like, man, if they can get the one on Thursday, then you're playing with house money a little bit because of those factors. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. You get get that win Thursday, uh, have some rest this week, and, and go to Indiana and get that win. Uh, Ken Palm, as I was finishing three and four, uh, essentially, I guess he, I, I didn't see a breakout of the wins and losses, but I'll guess three home wins, four road losses. Uh, that would put Iowa at 11 and nine in the league. That's probably not a top four seed. Um, so, so again, I think you need to protect home court, win those home games and then steal a couple on the road and as you said these two this week on the road are certainly the two that if they're going to win one or two on the road these are these are those games at Michigan State's going to be tough that's a, a house of horrors for Iowa and then that Illinois game the the I guess the the optimist in me for the Illinois game is thinking if there's a lot on the line in that game, it's it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a tough place to play, no matter what's on the line. But if there's if there's a lot on the line, if there is one of those top four seeds uh, on the line in that game, then maybe Iowa has the you know that extra motivation that you need to, to go in and get a win like that. But again, if you're going to win these road games, I think this is the week to do it. Uh, John Miller posted on Facebook, man. John Miller, it's it's been so fun. These last couple of months, or I guess what six weeks or so, uh, since he's kind of stepped away from Hawkeye Nation, and Rob, he's uh, he's texting you and I. He's posting on Facebook. He's tweet. You know, I guess he's not on Twitter anymore. But that's uh, why he's reaching out to us. He's, he's not on Twitter. He has no outlet after <laughs> so after a decade of a decades of doing this. John was just gonna you know ride <laughs> off into the sunset. Right. He can't he can't ignore Iowa. And 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 as much as John likes football, he at the I've known John for forever the core he's a huge Iowa basketball fan so there is some irony here that when he chose to (laughs) walk away spend more time with his family and and he needed to and and as a friend I'm glad that he did I'm glad that he reaches out to you and I with stuff that he would share with everybody else so we can share it with with people as well yeah I love it it's fun it's I feel like I I have my own little private message board with you and John Miller Um, (laughs) but but John posted on Facebook and he had he had an interesting stat that Iowa has had 
had the easiest Big Big Ten schedule of any team in the league thus far. Um, I that, did that surprise you? It, that it really did. Me. It really did. I mean, I guess I wouldn't have thought it'd be the toughest as they haven't played Michigan right. State yet, haven't gone on the road at Illinois. Uh, but they, I mean, they played Maryland twice. They played at Penn State, uh, at Purdue. Uh, I, that that did really surprise me. I thought they'd certainly be maybe in the the top half of the league. Yeah, they played Rutgers. I mean, they've played, right. and they only played Northwestern once. They did play Nebraska twice, but that was a little surprising for sure. And my guess is, and I didn't look at that as closely, I'm guessing they're pretty close. The Most of those schedules are probably close, pretty yes. bunched up, just like the league. Yes, exactly. And, you know, it's interesting. John also points out that these next two games, the two we've been talking about that they could steal on the road, are against the, the essentially the worst teams they will play the rest of the regular season, the, the lowest-ranked teams uh, the rest of the season. The good thing about being in the Big Ten is you have a lot of Q1 opportunities. You have a lot of big games, uh, a lot of chances to kind of improve your seed as you get closer to the NCAA tournament. The tough thing is every game is a fight. Every game is tough. Uh, every game... At this point, I think for Iowa is winnable, but every game is certainly losable too. These are all Q ones, right? Yes. Am I right? In yeah, that? every game. So seven left are all Q ones. So just a brutal uh, league you know, this year. Yeah, it's it's a, it is definitely a gauntlet, and like you said, Andrew, the opportunity is there. You look at these seven games, and you can visualize Iowa winning all seven, but you also know how tough that is to do, and you wonder. You know, can they get to five and two? Because I think you get to five and two. Now you're now you're cooking. Yes. I, but I, can that? Can they do that? That would that would requ- require two wins on the road. Um, but I, I I don't doubt this team's ability to do that, and that's what makes it so much fun and interesting to see how this thing's going to play out. I mean, this is. We've talked about it before. I don't think anybody outside of that locker room envisioned Iowa being in this position. And it's fun. It makes a, a you know, I, I, I looked at the weather this week. We've got some frozen <laughs> vortex thing coming in at the end of this week. We need to, we need some something warm to get us through this winter, and we've got men's basketball, women's basketball, um, wrestling. I did Iowa baseball media day last week. Yeah, spring is coming. We can get through this all together with th- these teams, and uh, some fun in March. I think I think everybody's looking ahead to how fun March could be around here. Yeah, you know it's interesting because. Uh, it- I think barring a fade, barring a terrible, you know, final seven games, which, uh, yeah, I don't expect to happen, but I, I haven't expected it to happen in, in years past, and it certainly has at times. Um, I think what we're talking about this week and and in these games is a separation between you know a, a very good season and a great season, right? A or or a. a uh, you know, we're talking about seeding. We're talking about things. I mean, all in all, it's to an extent we're playing with house money, especially when when we look at the expectations we had uh, for this team coming into this season. So it'll be fun when when you and I get back together a week from and now. We're, we're going to know a lot more about where where this team is headed. Did you see Andrew? I think the NCAA this weekend uh, released like the top four 
teams that would be top four seeds yes. right now if the tournament came out. And and Iowa was mentioned as just off of that four line, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Iowa was not in the that top 16, but I think it was, uh, and I don't remember who tweeted it, but yeah, somebody from the committee had said that there were three teams they talked about a lot that didn't make that top 16, and Iowa was one of those teams. So um, you'd have to guess that if, if the tournament happened today, I was probably a five seed, which is uh, which is pretty fun to think about. Yeah, that's the highest seed Fran would have, and the highest seed, I think, since the fateful Northwestern State. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to bring that up, people. Yeah, I I sat courtside for that one, and it's it's ingrained in my mind, and I know our uh, Hawkeye Nation basketball podcast partner is not fond of me bringing that game up either being as he was a part of it well it's a, it's a fun men's basketball season we're going to talk a little bit more about a fun women's basketball season some football news and more uh, and some hawkeye nation news some fun stuff happening on the site uh, we're going to do that just after this short break nothing says home more than family and friends around the table especially when the food is from fairway high quality hand-cut meats fresh produce and affordable pricing be sure you're ready for family by stocking up on everything from the best possible source refreshingly fairway all right rob the iowa women improved to 20 and 4 they are at maryland on thursday in what feels like a really big game i think maryland ranked 13th in in the last poll i haven't seen today's poll yet but both teams 11 and 2 in conference uh, at the top of the league i will beat maryland by five in carver in early january Uh, but this is a big big game for lisa bluter and, and this team yeah, and it was nice. It's nice to see, you know, this past week, last a week ago when we talked, they were coming off of that loss the previous Sunday at Michigan, where, you know, they lost by 15 and really didn't look very good. And you wondered, okay, you know, how is this team going to react to some adversity? Because it really hadn't faced a lot this year. It did the loss at Northern Iowa early in the season, and then kind of bounced back from that. Kind of like the Iowa men bounced back from DePaul. Some some parallels there. Uh, but then they lose that game at, in Ann Arbor and then come back and win pretty convincingly uh, at home against Nebraska during the week and then come back yesterday and win at Purdue 83-71. to And looks like it, it's got things back on track and then now has put itself in position to go on the road. It's going to be a really tough game. Maryland is really good and tough at home. But Iowa has this, has a chance now. You know, what do you say? It's, it's you control your destiny. I'm I'm not a huge fan of that that line, but they do. They, I mean, they win on whatever that is. What is it? Thursday. They so they play Thursday at five. I think both of those games are on TV too That's for right. the Iowa men and women. You can watch the women at five, and then the men play at seven on Thursday night. So a nice. Nice evening of Hawkeye basketball, and then wrestling comes home, and, and I think wrestles Minnesota on Saturday. So, um, you know, it's it's I this this is almost we talk. There are a lot of parallels. You talk about house money. A lot of people expected the women to, to back up this season without Gustafson, um, you know, and Tania Davis and uh, Hannah Stewart, and they've found a way. They're, they're better. You know, they're as good as they are were last year. This year, they're in the same type of position, battling for a regular season Big Ten title. So nice to see them bounce back, and they've got a big week as well. They, uh, that ga- they also play uh, Sunday at home uh, against Wisconsin. So hmm. 
I think there are only two home games left, maybe three for the Iowa women. So if you have a chance to get out, you haven't gotten out there yet, get out to Carver and support the to support the ladies. It's a it's a fun. I take my daughters to those games. They go they go to the men's games with me too sometimes, but um, they really enjoy the women's games. And my my nine year old's a huge Kathleen Doyle fan. If you haven't seen her play yet. She's like the female version of Luca Garza, diving all over the place, getting bloody, and just playing her heart out. She's kind of got that uh, that kind of uh, edge to her. So, uh, yeah, definitely recommend supporting that program as well. Uh, Rob, before we move away from basketball completely, uh, some news here is uh, the AP poll has been released here on a, a late on a Monday morning. Uh, just go through this real quickly, uh, obviously with Iowa, but the other Big Ten teams as well. The top nine stays the same, and that, that finishes with Maryland. Maryland at ninth. Uh, Maryland stays put at number nine. Penn State jumped up from 22nd all the way to 13th. Penn State is now the, the second-ranked Big Ten team in the country at 13th with, what, a win at Michigan State and then a, a win over, who did they beat? Purdue, maybe? Oh, no, they play Purdue um, tonight, I think. Penn State does. Yeah, they may have only had the one game last week. Now that I think about it, oh, they they, oh, they, no. they beat Minnesota no, they at home. Wisconsin, right at home? Yes. Was it? Uh, let's see, Minnesota. They beat Minnesota at oh, home Saturday. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, that that big win at Michigan State uh, puts Penn State all the way up to thirteenth. Then you got to drop down into the twenties before you see the Iowa Hawkeyes uh, drop four spots to twenty first. So Iowa ranked twenty first. Illinois twenty second. They dropped two spots from twentieth. And Michigan State not ranked anymore. Michigan State is number one among teams wow. receiving votes, so uh, effectively ranked 26th. But they have fallen out of the rankings as the Big Ten, uh, which is a, a tough, tough league, is is now you know beating up on each other so much that you you've only got the four ranked teams. Even though I think it's probably the deepest uh, league in the country. Did Michigan State not start the season number one? They did. In the, in the country, <laughs> they I They did. And to go wow. unranked, you know, Michigan is also receiving votes. They were top five at one point. Ohio State top five, I believe, at one point. They're, they're not even receiving votes anymore. Uh, just kind of a crazy, a crazy year in the Big Ten. But Iowa, again, uh, ranked 21st at 17-7 and seven with a couple of big road games this week. Rob, Kirk Ferentz met with the media last week on signing day on Wednesday. We previewed it just a bit uh, a week ago on the Hawkeye Nation podcast. Didn't expect a whole lot of news. Didn't get a whole lot of news. Uh, I, I know we got a new punter. Uh, kind of a cool story with Michael Loy's. Uh, what all did we learn Wednesday from Coach Ferentz? Yeah, it was a it was a light news day, um, but it's always good to catch up with him. I just I remember you know so many years how big the the signing day in February was, and now it's just so anticlimactic with how um, you know with the early signing period in December now. So not a whole lot of news there. Um, they did, as you say, uh, they added uh, punter Tory Taylor from. Uh, Australia, Melbourne, Australia, came from the same kicking school as Michael Sleep Dalton. He will be a freshman at Iowa, though, um, in terms of eligibility, although I think he's like 21 or 22 years old, but has never played American football before. <laughs> wow. Has just been trained to punt. And that's a lot of guys that come out of there. They don't have American football over there. They have rugby, but then they train these guys how to punt at this academy. And... Um, you know, Iowa sent LeVar Woods to Australia, and Kirk joked that he was over there for a month because of how long the trip was. But 
they actually sent, you know, an assistant coach over to Australia to watch this kid work out and felt good enough about what they saw to offer him a scholarship. So he'll come in. Uh, you've got Nick Phelps, the graduate transfer from North Dakota State who went to Woodbury Central, and then Ryan Gersande coming off a ACL injury. Those will be your three guys competing for the starting punter job next season with Michael Sleep Dalton graduating. And we all know, Andrew, the punting position is a critical one at Iowa. That's going to be fun. It's, it's going to be a fun story if, if this all works out because of all the things you said. You know, his age, his background. Uh, you, you could see this being, you know, featured on the Big Ten Network in a couple of years after he's, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, been a great punter for Iowa for a couple of years. And, and then the, the Michael Lois thing. Um, you know, I guess you you take us through a little bit of that story, Rob, for anybody who who isn't fully aware of of what what happened with him. Yeah, and I will, I did a podcast with him in December, and if people have the time, I'd recommend to listen to it. Not for me, but for what he talked about and his attitude and his outlook on life after I believe it was the summer of, or it was just after that. It may have been in September of 2018, a few weeks after he had verbally committed to Iowa, uh, defensive end from Wisconsin. He and his friends were at the pool, and I think a lot of us can relate to this where you're joking around with your friends and you know, you're know you in high school and you're doing like tricks and stuff. Well, they were doing a trick where they were jumping into like a, um, a pool float like that had like, I don't you know, like a float, a floating horse or an animal or whatever it is with a hole in the middle. And they were diving in and he dove in and it, it was too shallow and he broke his neck. And, you know... It was really, you know, it was obviously broke his neck. It was a big deal. But, you know, a a really long rehab to just get back on his feet. And Iowa never wavered. They let him know pretty much from the get-go that they were going to stick with him. And the outlook now, and Kirk said this the other day, um, he's not optimistic that Michael will ever play. And that's probably smart. You don't put yourself in that position. Um, he, when he gets here this summer, he'll meet with trainers and doctors at Iowa who are, who are well-versed in this. They'll examine him and give him, you know, uh, you know, a definitive answer. Um, he's playing baseball this spring in Wisconsin. This is his first competition since breaking his neck, so he's getting back into, you know, being in a comp- um, competitive environment. Um, but I talked to Michael, and I talked, I asked Kirk about this at the press conference. They, even if he can't play, they want him to be a part of the program in some way. Um, and Martin Hopkins, this happened to him uh, years ago. I was, I would say, probably somewhere around a decade ago, and he's still with the program. He went in, he became a grad assistant, and now he's a member of the coaching staff. I, I forget in what capacity, but he is a part of the Iowa coaching staff. And Michael not only only wants to contribute to Iowa football in, in any way possible, but he's really adamant. When I talked to him last week, he wants to get involved with the Iowa Children's Hospital and um, the Veterans Hospital and give back to this community for Iowa sticking with him and honoring his scholarship. What a cool story. Um, 
you know, obviously a tragic story for him or, or a terrible story, but uh, what a cool thing for for Coach Ferentz and, and Iowa to do. And um, you know, wish wish the best for him, and hopefully he can be be an asset to that program. Uh, Rob, lastly, we have a lot of great stuff on the site right now. You had a really cool uh, interview with AJ Epinesa last week. That's up on our podcast feed uh, in the the big hour uh, over in Eastern Iowa. Dave Schwartz has ten sentences on Joe Toussaint, which I really enjoyed reading. I always love love reading Dave. Uh, but the big news, Rick. Brown is on board. Rick Brown, uh, I mean, the famed writer, he's uh, a multiple-time Iowa Sports Writer of the Year. I I lost count of how many times he's won that award. And and his first piece for Hawkeye Nation is up on the site right now. It's a a really good piece on C.J. Frederick and his Uncle Joe, who played at Notre Dame. Uh, Really cool to have Rick Brown in the fold here. Yeah, as Mike Haas from the Cedar Cedar Rapids Gazette tweeted at me today, great get. And it is because, as you said, Andrew, Rick is an award-winning writer who's been doing it for for a long time. Started at the Des Moines Register, I believe, in the late 60s or early 70s. It's been a long time. Uh, He's moved on into retirement. He works at the university a little bit, writes for them, but they don't have as much work for him. Uh, We kind of swooped in and offered him, uh, you know, an opportunity to write for us. And it's going to be great to have him because Rick not only – is a really good writer and a really good storyteller, but he's an historian. He's somebody who's lived through decades of covering Iowa athletics. And I've known Rick since I came on to cover Iowa in 1997, and he was there way before me. So he's lived all these stories and has all these connections to Hawkeye, Hawkeyes of the past and the history that I think he's just going to bring us some tremendous, tremendous content, and hopefully the readers enjoy it. We're having fun at Hawkeye Nation. You can have fun with us. Again, uh, check out our podcast feed. Stay with the site. Follow Rob for all of his uh, his news and stories and podcasts and everything we have going on. Where This, this thing is just going to keep rolling, keep building, and, and we're excited about it. Rob, this is fun as always. Thank you. Had a blast again, Andrew. We'll talk to you next week, bud. All right. Thank you for listening. Go Hawks.